What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Martinez. On a Thursday, September 5th, 2019. And what a day it is today. For maybe reasons that you may not assume. Yes, football is back tonight. We get the Packers and the Bears, the oldest rivalry in football. Maybe the only living rivalry in the NFL today. I don't. I really can't. You know, the Steelers and the Patriots were rivals uh, for the earlier years in the 2010s. That's kind of fizzled out. You really don't. I mean, it's not really relevant. Um, the Cowboys and the Eagles, maybe, but everybody hates the Cowboys. That's just, uh, the Cowboys are America's team, and they're also the most hated team in America. I think they're still America's team because of how many people despise the Dallas Cowboys. So you can't really draw that up as a rivalry, and really. Historically, the true rivals to the Dallas Cowboys are the Washington Redskins. So, I mean, you can't even really count the Eagles and the Cowboys as the premier rivalry for the Cowboys. So, that cancel that one. Maybe the Steelers and the Ravens. Maybe. Other than that, and then we had, you know, we had the uh, the Seahawks and the 49ers for like two and a half years uh, with Jim Harbaugh, Pete Carroll. But that's really more of a personal thing than anything. Jim Harbaugh. Pete Carroll have a disdain for each other going back to SC and Stanford, the what's your deal, bro. Um, So there's really not many great rivalries left, except for this one. Packers-Bears never fails to disappoint. And yet, that's not even the most interesting football storyline today. We haven't seen any football professionally since February. It's now September, and that's not even the most important topic of discussion today. The Raiders, the sideshow circus that they are. I mean, it just keeps getting better. It just keeps getting better for the Crowd Noise podcast and anyone, quite frankly, who is not an Oakland Raiders football fan. So basically, about 98% of football fans. Uh, Mr. Big Chest Antonio Brown threatened to punch Mike Mayock in the face uh, in front of the entire team uh, in response to being fined for missing walkthroughs, missing practices. He was fined, was uh, Antonio Brown. Did not take kindly to that. (laughs) Uh, Posted on Instagram the letter he received notifying him that he was being fined uh, by general manager Mike Mayock, which again, going way back, was never... Maybe the smartest hire for general manager in the first place, hiring a a TV personality with zero GM experience uh, on his resume. And he's done a fine job to this point. I will say that Mike Mayock is maybe not the biggest problem in the Oakland Raiders right now. Not maybe. He is not the biggest problem that the Oakland Raiders have right now. But nonetheless, he sends Antonio Brown a letter that he is going to be fine, as one does. That's not the problem in this situation. Uh, Antonio Brown takes to Instagram, does not does not appreciate that he's being fined. Mike Mayock does not appreciate that Antonio Brown is notifying the public that he is being fined. They get into it at a Raiders practice. Antonio Brown threatens to punch him in the mouth, uh, and then he kicks a football and says, uh, and here's the quote of the week for you. Uh, we're doing it at the top of the show because we have... We have a stacked show today. We have college picks, obviously. Went 2-1 last week. We'll get into that in just a second. We have our NFL picks for this week. We have division picks. We have playoff picks, Super Bowl chat. We have a lot of stuff. 
So I don't think we're going to have the time to get to the quote of the week at the end of the show. So I'm going to put it right at the top um, and kind of you know skim through it really quick. Quote, find me for that. He punts the ball, I don't know how far. Uh, I don't know if it was Marquette King range. Uh, no longer with the Raiders, but he may, Marquette King may be the most famous Raider in the past five years outside of Khalil Mack, who also doesn't play for the Raiders. Um, punts the ball, says, find me for that, walks off, and they have not spoken since, to my knowledge. This is a developing story um, as far as the Raiders do plan on suspending Antonio Brown. I don't know for how long. I don't know the extent of which, uh, I don't know the extent of the fines that are coming this for this offense because he's going to get fined again. He's going to be suspended. I don't know what course of action the Raiders are going to take. I don't know if the Raiders aren't going to trade Antonio Brown. There is speculation from one Adam Schefter uh, quite possibly the woge of the uh, the NFL, he speculates that the Raiders are talking about shopping Antonio Brown. He's never going to play it down for the Oakland Raiders. So what can go wrong will go wrong for the Oakland Raiders. It it never stops. They're an absolute sideshow. I wish we had, and it's, it's times like these, I wish we had like European soccer-style rules where we could demote franchises. It's gotten to the point where the Oakland Raiders truly do not even belong in the National Football League. They are that big of an embarrassment. But also, by the same token, I would love to keep them in the NFL because they're so much fun to talk about. Again, we love the Oakland Raiders here because they are they're just, they're tons of fun. They are just so much fun uh, to talk about for content producers and just to watch as general football fans. You gotta love the Oakland Raiders. I don't care if you hate them as a franchise or maybe you grew up in the 70s, 80s, whatever, when they were the Oakland Raiders and, and you just you hated them because they were so good. You gotta love them now. Because they're just they're they're the Zeppelin. They're just this this falling craft that's on fire from the sky. It it's it's a spectacle. It it really is. And just when you think the dust starts to settle. Mr. Big Chess shows up and just reignites the flame all over again. So this is the uh, developing story. This is not the last we're going to hear about the Oakland Raiders and, and Antonio Brown. I can guarantee you that the suspension has not even fallen down yet. There has not been a suspension. I'm checking uh, my notifications, my sources. Uh, currently, there's still no suspension length. If there is a suspension length uh, during the time of this recording... Obviously, we're going to go ahead and get uh, get that to you and uh, let you know how long that is and the severity of the punishment. If there is a trade during the time of the show, then all bets are off. Likely going to scratch uh, maybe even Super Bowl. Maybe not Super Bowl picks. We'll likely scratch um, division picks. Well, again, we don't even know when it's coming down. It could be today. could be tomorrow. could be next week. We have no idea when suspensions, fines, or trades are coming through so we can't really plan for that but if it does come through we will apps that's i mean cream of the crop that's getting into the show so we may have a surprise segment that later on uh, that i'm not even aware of so with that we get into what we're actually going to talk about today um and there, man, there's so much to talk about this is a great time of the year it's it's a, it's a double-edged sword the football season for the crowd noise podcast 
pro, there is a lot, there's a ton to talk about. Con, there is a ton to talk about. The shows are just so jam-packed with content. It's hard to fit in anything else. You got the picks up, um, you got to do, which I enjoy doing. I enjoy picking games. Um, then you have uh, marquee games, and then so that's not even counting like storylines. And then sp- uh, specifically today, and then last week as well, when you're picking division winners or conference winners, then you got to go into the postseason. It's it's a it's a great thing because you know exactly what you're going to talk about, and it's interesting content. And it's also kind of a burden in the sense that you cannot fit anything else in the show. As far as this useless banter that I'm currently giving you right now it makes for a very tight window but i enjoy i enjoy the challenge of trying to fit everything into i don't know let's say less than an hour and a half because i don't think anyone's really listening for two hours or any any more than that i mean i don't know if i could talk for two hours straight let alone i don't know if anyone could stomach my voice for two and a half hours straight um but it's a lot of fun i mean it's a different challenge than what i face in the summer where there's absolutely nothing to talk about and I have to create an entire show. I have to create everything, which is also fun. I like creating headlines and creating my own opinions and creating content versus, but it it is very difficult, versus where there's a ton of content to choose from and there's almost not enough, or excuse me, there's not enough time for all the content that's going around. So it's a different challenge, Um, but I definitely prefer football season. I'll tell you that, I mean, hands down, I prefer this challenge way more than the challenge of not having any content to go out. And especially, we're going to go ahead and get to picks real quick. But uh, last, I guess, point here. Especially this summer, we were very fortunate. We had Kawhi, we had AD, Paul, George. We had a ton of stuff to go off of in the NBA. It's not going to be like that every year. And so I think we were very lucky this season. Um, next summer, I have no idea what things are going to look like. It, it might be the hardest summer of my life. We don't know. So I, I welcome the challenge that faces us today and, you know, looking forward in the near future. So let's get into it. College football. I said I was going to keep track of my record this year. And my picks last week statistically were good. Um, they were not good in the sense that I could have gone one and three. I could have gotten no Oh and three. That's not true. Um, oh, it is true. Excuse me. I thought I picked Clemson. I didn't. That game was on um, a Thursday night, and last week we had a Friday edition of the Crowd Noise podcast. So I didn't pick the Clemson game, um, and I probably wouldn't have picked it anyway because that's kind of a cop out. That's I mean, I'm picking Clemson over everybody. I uh, went two and one, almost went one and three, because we did have Alabama over Duke. Over Duke. Um, over. We did have Alabama over Duke. Uh, so that one, that one was a gimme. We had Oklahoma over Houston. That was almost essentially another gimme. Um, and then we had USC and Stanford. Did we have Alabama Duke? I said I was going to uh, keep track of my picks. And clearly, I have not kept track of my picks. I know I went two for one for sure. I'm pretty sure I picked Alabama over Duke. Because there was no other. No, I'm lying. I picked Oregon over Auburn. We did go two and one. I remember now exactly what we did. We went two and one. We had Oklahoma over Houston. That was the cop-out one. That was the easiest one I could have made. And even still, Houston, they kept it respectable for about the first half. Um, 
and then Oklahoma just, I mean, they were just too much for him. So we picked Oklahoma. There was that one. Uh, picked Oregon. They should have won that game. They dropped a white, I mean, literally just, if there's one thing I hate in the game of football, more than anything else, it's dropped passes. I cannot stand when I'm, I see receivers just straight up drop passes. And this guy in the end zone, I don't even remember his name, standing, I mean, there's no one within two miles in, in, in his area just straight up drops a dime from Justin Herbert and that was the difference in the game uh they they had to settle for a field goal and then they missed the field goal so that was a huge turning point in the game I feel for Oregon they lose that one and then USC deserved to lose last week um as despicable as they played against Fresno State um yes JT Daniels was uh injured he's done for the year towards meniscus and MCL in one play um, or was it his ACL? He, I mean, whatever the case may be, he's not playing. JT Daniels takes a nasty blow to the knee. He's done. The Trojans now turn to Keaton Slovis, who is a true freshman. Um, and he is not of the Matt Barkley, Sam Darnold, true freshman cut, if you, if you know what I'm talking about. He's not, he's not the prototypical USC quarterback, if I'm putting things lightly. Because usually we see these guys like Sam Darnold, uh, Matt Barkley take over early. But they're a five-star, I mean like cream of the crop, like top of the nation recruits, Keaton Slovis. Good player, um, but he's, he's not in the upper echelon as far as quarterback recruits. So only time will tell uh, how good USC will be. They looked um, stale. They were struggling to score in the red zone with this brand new uh, air raid offense against Fresno State. They draw Stanford this week, um, and this is so we're getting into our picks now. Perfect segue. USC played like garbage last week, and they deserved to lose. They won, so we went two and one last week. It's a record on the season so far. Deserved to lose. Quite frankly, watching the game, I'm rooting for them to lose. As bad as they were playing, just terrible penalties. Um, there was just another refusal to run the football. And I get that they're doing this air raid offense. Don't. Don't do it. Just scrap the whole thing, especially now with Keaton Slovis. They have a playbook that consists of 30 plays. And that's not me exaggerating anything. That is a fact. USC's playbook right now is currently 30 total plays. Simplify that. You cannot overload this this true freshman Keaton Slovis, and that only, I mean, obviously it makes your offense even less dangerous. You're going up against David Shaw, who is a fantastic coach, maybe one of the two or three best coaches in the Pac-12, which sounds like I'm kind of qualifying qualifying him a little bit. He's still a fantastic coach. You got Chris Peterson in the Pac-12. He's not better than Chris Peterson, but David Shaw, next guy in line in the Pac-12. I don't see how you're gonna you're gonna outwit Stanford and uh, David Shaw. The game is in the Coliseum. I don't see him winning this game. The only times that they were actually driving and had sustainable offense last week is when they were running the football. When JT Daniels went out of the game, and it's not because JT Daniels that USC was struggling to move the ball. It's because of the coaching and the play calling being Graham Harrell. Um, they, did they start moving the football because they had no choice. They had to run the football um, because they had they couldn't throw a true freshman into the fire and have him start slinging it left and right. Um, and number two, they had to get out of there. They had to milk the clock. They just they needed that they needed that game to be over. 
And so they started running the football, and then they actually start driving the ball down the field while running it. So that's going to be their formula to win the game. I don't see that happening. Stanford struggled last week against Northwestern, but I will say Northwestern is better than Fresno State. So I do. I am more impressed with Stanford squeaking out their Week 1 victory than USC. Um, USC should be 0-1 right now, and they deserve to be 0-1 with the way they played last week. I'm taking Stanford uh, by 14 points. I think they win by two touchdowns, and I think the seat grows ever hotter for Clay Helton at USC, which may be a good thing. Maybe that's the best thing this program, uh, that, maybe it's the best thing that could happen to this program is Clay Helton and Graham Harrell and Lynn Swan out of the door. So there's your first pick right there, Stanford over USC. Uh, number 23, Stanford uh, against unranked USC. The rest of these games are actually barn burners. We have some uh, great games in college football this week. Number 12, Texas A&M rolling into Death Valley against Clemson. Maybe not as competitive as the rankings would have you believe. You have two top 15 teams here, an SEC team, an ACC team, um, two great coaches, two national championship caliber coaches, I might add, um, and yet, I'm picking Clemson and running away. It's nothing against Texas A&M. It was the closest game that Clemson had played all last season. It was a two-point win last year um, in Aggieland against uh, Texas A&M. And yet, well, this year it's in Death Valley. And I don't, I don't say this as a detriment to Texas A&M. I say this as praise to Clemson. This game's really not going to be very close. It may be close for the first quarter, um, Trevor Lawrence last week really struggled. I, I I don't think that's a sign for the rest of the season. I think that was just him shaking off the rust a little bit. I think Trevor Lawrence is really going to open things up uh, this week, especially get a big opponent, national televised game. Um, I think Clemson is really going to open it up. I think they're just going to run away with this game. It may be close for the first quarter. <laughs> I think that it'll be close for the first quarter. And then Clemson playing um, in Death Valley in front of their fans. I think they're just going to wear down Texas A&M and they'll run away with this one. Uh, and again, it's not really so much that Texas A&M is not a good team. It's that Clemson is so good. I don't see this very, being very close. I think it'll be entertaining. Uh, definitely worth watching for sure. I mean, you get two top 15 teams right out of the gate in week two. It, it's a lot of fun to watch, but I'm going to take Clemson in this one. Uh, and then our final game. This is the... Creme de la creme of week two in college football. Number six, Louisiana State University at number nine, Texas. What more could you possibly ask for? You get two top ten teams playing uh, in week two in Austin. You get Texas and LSU. And it's really not, okay, Texas has a fantastic home field advantage. They have a great home field atmosphere but it is not a huge travel and it's really not um, that big of a burden for LSU because Texas and LSU are really not that far from each other and I'm talking about campus is not really so much the states because obviously they're neighboring states I mean duh but the campuses themselves are really not that far from each other so it's not a huge um, travel for LSU fans I do think there will be a strong LSU represent or LSU fan representation uh, in Austin, obviously, I mean, clearly it's going to be, this goes without saying, but it's going to be in, in Texas's favor. Um, I picked Texas to get back to the playoff, um, where they weren't extremely impressive, for lack of a better word, um, in week one. 
They played Louisiana Tech, I believe. Weren't extremely dominant, weren't very impressive. But again, a lot of programs had that problem in week one. Ohio State really did not look dominant against FAU. You got to watch these games. Don't look at the scoreboard. Um, I Like three or four touchdowns in the first quarter were blowing assignments for FAU. And we're not, we're getting back to the Texas LSU game really quick. I just want to point out there, there were no programs that looked entirely dominant. Duke was taking it to Alabama for the first half of the game. So no one was, it was at their top um, shape last week. So I'm not holding that against Texas. I'm picking Texas to win. They are at home. I picked them to go to the playoff. I'm not abandoning that right out of the gate. And again, like I said last week, if Texas were to lose this game, this, this throws a wrench in the entire college football season. This one game determines so much as far as college football playoff implications. This is the game. If you can only watch one game this Saturday, this is the game you have to watch. You have to make sure you tune into this game. It's going to be tons of fun to watch. I mean, number one, as a football fan. And number two, I'm telling you, this is going to be the most important game of the college football season. And the next most important game is Texas and Oklahoma. Texas has the two most important games of the college football landscape on their schedule. They play twice. The two most important games in the nation are both played by Texas. This is the first one. I will take the Longhorns uh, in Austin for week one. Or excuse me, week two. Week two in Austin. um, I'm taking the Longhorns. Week one in the NFL. Got a little bit uh, ahead of myself there. So here's where the week one was coming from. It's week one in the NFL. Football is finally back. I've said football is finally back for like like four weeks straight now. But it's actually back, and it's the last time I'm going to say it. So it's a lot, you don't have to hear me say football is back until like um, next June because I, always, I say it like two months in, too early that I say it every week uh, after that until it actually starts. So we have week one. It's finally back. Tonight, Packers, Bears, we are keeping our dumb tradition alive of picking Thursday night games because I hate Thursday night football. I can't stand it. Who wants to watch football on a Thursday night? That's like the most boring time of week. Thursday night. Like if you had to pick the one time of the week, like a certain day and that time of day, that's like the most boring and the most bland. Like the day that you save to do like your taxes before um, tax day, it's Thursday night. Like Thursday night is the worst time of the week. Why on God's green earth are we playing football on Thursday night? It makes no sense whatsoever. And yet, here we are. And I'm super excited for tonight, only because we get football two days early. So, I mean, just for today, it's okay. And I really hate, I hate the kickoff on Thursday night as well. I can't stand that. Like, football is played on Sunday, and we have one game on Monday. Don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it's not even broke it's perfect it's football is played on Sundays but I'm going to allow it tonight and the reason for that is because I'm beyond excited and I can finally stop saying football is officially back so I'm going to let it slide for this time one time only we can have Thursday on a we can have football on a Thursday night and we're going to have it for the rest of the season anyway because no one listens to Steven so who cares um we get football tonight and then Sunday and then the rest of the season so we're going to go ahead and pick three marquee games for the week, including tonight, because we always pick uh, the Thursday night games. And I probably would have picked this game anyway, because we get a really 
solid game. And that, again, part of my beef with Thursday night football is the games are no good and the game, the quality of the games are terrible because the human body is not built to play on Sunday and then go two days after that, really. You get one day off for Monday, you practice Tuesday maybe, and then you travel on Wednesday. So you really only get one day to prepare because you're really off Monday. I mean, you're not going to go from a game and then the very next day, boom, practice. You practice Tuesday, and then most teams travel Wednesday because you don't just show up Thursday night. Okay, we're ready to play. We just got off the plane. You really only get one day to prepare. So the Thursday night games are terrible. But in this case, you've had all offseason to prepare for this game. So I expect it to be an exciting game um, and probably the last exciting Thursday night game that we get until next year, week one. But tonight should be a good game. Get the Packers and the Bears again. They never disappoint. We would have picked this game anyway. Um, and so let's get in. Let's pick this game. It is in Soldier Field. Um, first game of the season. Right out of the gate, we get Khalil Mack. We get Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Mitchell Trubisky, Matt Lafleur's new offenses. There's a lot to like about this game as a football fan. If you just want to watch a good game and you're excited that football is back, which you're probably already excited anyway, this is the best case scenario. We actually get a game that's meaningful as far as um, this is going to have a lot to play in deciding the NFC North. We get division rivals on top of everything else because the past two years we've gotten, what, the Chiefs and the Patriots, and then I think the Steelers and the Patriots. They always put the Patriots in the first game of the season. Like Nobody likes Tom Brady other than Patriots. Like No one wants to watch Tom Brady other than Tom Brady and Patriots fans. This is the best game for the masses. This is the best possible game for the general public. And maybe it would have been a little bit better if we got maybe the Cowboys and the Giants or the Cowboys and someone because we would have had that even tighter deadline with Zeke. But I digress. This is I, I appreciate what, um, what we have for this year. Um, I've said it before. I think the Packers are going to be fantasy viable. As far as I think Matt LaFleur is going to be a very fantasy-friendly coach. I think they're going to throw the ball a lot. They're going to try and keep Aaron Rodgers as happy as he possibly can be. They're going to throw the ball 70 times a game. So if you have Aaron Rodgers or you have Devontae Adams or Geronimo Allison or MVS, good for you because you're really going to benefit from that, from that offense. I don't necessarily think it's going to translate to them being an, a good team in reality, right? Because again, fantasy and reality are not the same thing. They're very much different. They have some similarities, but they're not the same. They are different. Um, but I do think they will win tonight. Again, if you force me to choose Mitch Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky, or Aaron Rodgers, guess who I'm taking? A lot of these games are decided by the play of the quarterback. And especially if the Packers are going to utilize Aaron Rodgers' ability to create and throw and and be an ad-lib quarterback, you know, out of the pocket and making something out of nothing when plays break down, which is going to happen tonight. You go up against um, Leonard Floyd, uh, Khalil Mack. It's, it's going to get ugly in the, back, in the pocket for Aaron Rodgers, and I do think they're probably going to shut down Aaron Jones. They're going to have to throw the ball, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It may be a good thing that the Packers are going to have to throw the football. You want Aaron Rodgers, your best player, to have the ball in his hands and to be making plays. I like the Packers tonight to win, even in Soldier Field. If I remember this correctly, I heard a stat this morning. Aaron Rodgers has not thrown a touchdown pass 
in Soldier Field in, I believe, two seasons. That comes to an end tonight. They will absolutely find a way to get the ball to Devontae Adams from Aaron Rodgers into the end zone. I don't think this is going to be a big game for Aaron Jones. I think this is going to be a huge game for Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. Uh, we'll see what the Bears look like. I'm Again, I'm not really sold on Mitchell Trubisky. Kind of streaky. Maybe from the Dak Prescott branch of, well, he's not bad, but he's also not great. I do think Dak Prescott is better than Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is a more willing runner than Dak Prescott, I would say. Um, but again, Mitchell Trubisky, I would not say, is the guy that's going to take over and dominate a football game. Aaron Rodgers is that guy. And especially if it comes down to a field goal, I can promise you the Packers are winning this football game. If it's a three-point game or less and the Bears have the ball, the game is over. Okay, so the Packers are going to win tonight. Um, I'll take them in the first game of the season. They'll start 1-0. Then we have Sunday night, another great game. Whoever comes up with the schedules really hit it out of the park for week one. Maybe not the rest of the season as a whole, but for week one, they got it right. They gave us plenty of exciting and marquee games um, to watch. And especially if you have DirecTV or if one of your friends has DirecTV, you have the Sunday ticket for free for week one. So there's no excuse. You get to watch all of these games at least for one day this year. And then they always have a mid-season preview as well. So at least two weeks this year, you get the Sunday ticket. Even if you don't have DirecTV, you got to know someone who does. Head over to their house. You, uh, you can watch all these games for free. Maybe maybe it'll cost you a bag of Doritos or, or some dip or something like that. It, very low cost, relatively speaking to what the ticket actually costs, which is like $450,000. This is well worth the price of a bag of Doritos. So you get to watch this game. Well, actually, this Sunday night is going to be on national televised. It's going to be nationally televised anyway. Actually, the three games I have here are picking, I'm just realizing, are all nationally televised. I have a Thursday night game, I have a Sunday night game, and I have a Monday night game. So none of these games are going to be, none of the games I'm picking today are going to be on your TV set, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you don't have to worry about my obnoxious opinions influencing uh, your viewing pleasure. So Sunday night, another great one. We have the Steelers in Foxborough against the New England Patriots. One of the better rivalries, as I said earlier, uh, during the early 2010s is really not as big of a rivalry anymore because the Steelers really haven't been up to up to snuff with the Patriots. That's for damn sure. Um, losing the Jaguars in the postseason a few years ago, not making the postseason last, last year. Um, but I'm very high on the Steelers this year. I think they got out all the nonsense from Le'Veon Bell, definitely Mr. Big Chess. I think the Steelers are really looking on the up and up this year. And the Patriots have a history, a recent history actually, of starting off slow. It happens every single season where they start off like 1-3 and three or 2-4 and four or something like that. And then the sky is falling. Tom Brady needs to retire. He's falling off a cliff. Bill Belichick doesn't know what he's doing. And then, of course, they run off like 8 straight, get to the playoffs, and they win the Super Bowl. But they do start off slow. They do have a recent history of starting off slow. So I do think the Steelers, even though it's in Foxborough, it's in Foxborough in September. If this was November, December, definitely January, uh, I'd, I'd be going with the Patriots without a second thought. But I like the Steelers this year. I think they're going to be much better than what people are giving them credit for, especially in that division. I think it's a winnable division, which is something that you have not heard all season long with 
the Browns, and even the Ravens. I think it's a winnable division. They're the most experienced team, and yet they have the youth um, of James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster. I think they have the best coach in the division, you could argue. Um, I, I like the Steelers to win the division, and I like them to win tonight. The Patriots are slow starters. I think the Steelers get off to a 1-0 start um, to the season. I do think they win on Sunday night for whatever that's worth. And then the final game we have here for week one, the final game that we're picking, another good one. This should be a very fun game to watch. Lots of offense. The Texans and the Saints. Texans shipping out uh, Jadavian Clowney for a bag of peanuts. The Saints don't particularly have a very good defense themselves. Uh, It is much improved. It is not the Saints of like 2011, 12, 13, where they had to score 55 points in a game and, and maybe that wouldn't have been enough. They have a respectable defense, but it is not a maybe definitely not top 10 defense, I would say. Uh, the Texans, they have J.J. Watt, but they lose Tyron Matthew. They lose Jadavian Clowney. I think their defense is definitely going to regress, especially when you're playing in the Superdome against the Saints who can always score the ball. Um, but the Saints have, excuse me, the Texans have Deshaun Watson, they have Will Fuller, they have DeAndre Hopkins, they now have uh, Duke Johnson, they have a very strong offense themselves. This is going to be a very fun, very fantasy-friendly game. It's going to be a lot of scoring in this game, but I like the Saints at home. I think, ironically, in a game that's going to have a lot of scoring, I think it's going to be the defense that ultimately um, wins it for the Saints. I think they're going to get two key stops. I think they're going to stop Houston probably right before the end of the first half or something like that, early. And then they're going to have a key stop um, in the second half, maybe late third quarter, early fourth quarter, and then turning that stop uh, into points. Maybe they get a field goal. Maybe they get a touchdown or something like that, extend the league and they extend the lead, and then just put the game out of reach. I do think the Saints' defense is going to be the difference in this game because they have a respectable defense. Again, they can make plays on defense. They're not the Bears. They're not the Ravens. Not even the Cowboys, but they can make stops on defense. I think that will be the difference. I don't think J.J. Watt can single-handedly stop Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, and Alvin Kamara. It'd be nice. JJ, I like J.J. Watt. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, though. So there you go. I have the Packers, the Steelers, and the Saints all winning this week uh, in week one in the NFL. And so now we move on to picking division winners in the NFL. And this year, actually... I mean, of course, picking preseason is always, your picks are always a thousand. They always feel fantastic. And then three weeks into it, you realize I've made a huge mistake. That's probably what's going to be like. That's probably what it's going to be like this season. I really didn't have very much trouble picking these divisions other than maybe the AFC North. And I feel pretty confidently in the Steelers. So really, you can't, not even that one. The hardest one for me to pick was the NFC East because you have the Cowboys and you have the Eagles. Uh, the Cowboys are a question mark, and they are known to just let you down. Whenever whenever you start to invest any kind of faith in the Cowboys, they're known to let you down. In the biggest moments, the Eagles, we don't know how how well they're going to operate without Carson Wentz. I think there's a lot of pressure on Carson Wentz. He's a fantastic player. He had an MVP caliber season just two years ago before it was cut short due to injury. Nick Foles steps in, wins the Super Bowl. Nick Foles steps in again for another injury and should have won, should have gotten to at least the NFC Championship game, right? Their last game, their last playoff game last year, the Eagles probably should have won that one, right, against the Saints, were robbed by themselves. I mean, they had no one but themselves to blame, but yet 
they still should have won that game. And so there's a lot of pressure, um, a lot of question marks, rather, on Car- surrounding Carson Wentz as far as his ability to be a leader. And so we don't really know how well the Eagles are going to operate with Carson Wentz at the helm full-time. There's no one coming in. Uh, as it, There's no super backup behind him. It's up to Carson Wentz now, and I think he's a good player, and I think he's capable of leading this team uh, as a football player. Is he capable of leading this team as a, um, a captain in the locker room? So those were the hardest ones for me to pick. All the other divisions, I feel pretty confident in my picks. I really never had too much of a debate or a back and forth other than the AFC North because of the Browns, ironically, and because of the NFC East because of the Cowboys and the Eagles. So here we go. We're gonna start with the AFC because I think these are more. I think these are easier to pick. The AFC, um, these comp, these divisions really aren't as deep as the divisions in the NFC. AFC North gave it away. I like the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. I think they have the best coach in the division. They're the most experienced team in the division. They have the best quarterback in the division right now. Baker Mayfield. The, the, the clock is ticking. It's it's only it's inevitable. He's going to pass. Ben Roethlisberger, but at this moment in time, if you force me to pick one for this season alone, I'd take ben, ben, Big Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I get that they have all these weapons in Cleveland and they have all this pizzazz. Baker Mayfield throws it down the field. They're going to be good. Don't get me wrong. The Browns are going to be good. I'm not saying they're just they're going to be a terrible team. They're going to be the Cleveland Browns that we've known for the past 25 years. They're going to be better. But there's just way too much noise. There's way too much hype. This is something that Cleveland is, this is entirely uncharted territory for everyone in that organization. They've had zero expectations. No one's had any expectations on the Browns in like 25 years. No one's expected them to have a winning season for the past few years. No one's expected them to have multiple wins on the season. And now all of a sudden you're talking about the Browns with Super Bowl expectations? Are you kidding me? How is Odell Beckham Jr. going to handle that level of pressure? Yes, he did keep the Giants relevant himself, but they were never relevant enough to uh, on, on the Super Bowl expectation level. They were never expected to even really win their division, and that was about the height, the peak of their expectations for the Giants was to win their division, never win a Super Bowl and have to deal with the impact of losses week to week, because now losses are going to matter for Odo Beckham Jr. and the Cleveland Browns because you have expectations. How are they going to handle all that? First-year head coach and Freddie Kitchens, for all we know, he could be the worst coach in the NFL. I don't think he will be. I think that is going to go to the guy in Arizona, but we don't know how good or bad Freddie Kitchens is right now. We have not seen him be a head coach ever in the NFL until this season. I like the Steelers to win the AFC North. I think the Ravens are going to be an afterthought. I think people are going to start to figure out uh, Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh. Uh, I'm not really uh, considering them as a legit threat to win the division. I think it's going to come down to the Steelers and the Browns, and I think the Steelers are going to be well more. Uh, they're going to be more well, excuse me, rather managed down the stretch. I like the Steelers to win the division. The AFC South. What a heartbreaker! The Colts, as you know, throughout the summer were my pick to get to the Super Bowl. I think that Andrew Luck and the entire, really not just Andrew Luck, the entire roster, the way it was constructed, it was so deep. They had so much depth 
on that team. They were a really good team. Andrew Luck had an MVP caliber season last year coming in. You're thinking that, or I was thinking rather, this was the year for the Colts. They were really going to take that step forward, win the division, get to the playoffs. I felt they could have made it to the Super Bowl with the balance they had on offense. And yet it all it just goes all up in smoke in the blink of an eye. And I would never, I'm not one of those those bozos for, I mean, I can't really say what I want to say, really, but I'm not one of those idiots who are going to hold anything against Andrew Luck. But it is unfortunate as a football fan that we're not going to get to see Andrew Luck play football again. Maybe we, maybe we will. There's an off chance I, would, I feel he comes back. Do I think he will? No. Of course, there's a chance he'll come back. I don't think it'll happen. So for that, I think this, is the, this division is the Texans to lose. Even with shipping out Jadavian Clowney, even with losing Lamar Miller to injury for the season, who else is going to compete in that division? Yes, the Titans have made the playoff. And the Titans are really one of the most underrated and underappreciated teams in the NFL. No, they're not in the echelon of the Patriots, the Chiefs, you know, the Eagles, the Rams, Saints, the Super Bowl tier. But they've made the playoffs the last three years. That's something that, that, that flies under the radar and people really don't appreciate enough. The Titans consistently make the postseason as a wild card. They do not win the South uh, I don't think it'll happen this year. The Jaguars uh, should be better with Nick Foles. I think he had great pieces around him in field. And I hate to do that. I hate to take away from everything Nick Foles accomplished. But I think it's fair to point out the Eagles are a much better constructed roster than the Jaguars. I think that's fair to point out. And so... I don't, and he does not have the pass-catching weapons that he had in Philly. He does not have the uh, offensive, I guess, guru that he had in Philly with Doug Peterson. It, I, I don't see... They're going to be competitive, will the Jaguar. They will be good. I just think the Texans are going to win the division. I think they have the best quarterback in the division now, now that Andrew Luck is gone. I'd probably say uh, Nick Foles is number two, and I think that's fair. Um, and then probably... Um, Mariota right after him and I don't I don't think Mariota's that good so it's really not a deep quarterback division so Deshaun Watson another advantage for him uh, they're gonna have to score the ball though the Texans are gonna have to score the ball a ton to win this division um, especially because I mean well their defense is going to be um, diminished clearly um, and then the teams in their division really aren't offensive powerhouse they're really more defense first teams the Jaguars, the Titans, they're going to have to score the football, which I think they're capable of. But can they do it over the course of an entire season? That remains to be seen. In the AFC West, if you asked me two months ago who would win the AFC West, I would have told you the LA Chargers. Now, missing Melvin Gordon. A lot of distractions from that camp as well because of the Melvin Gordon fiasco. Probably going to end up trading him, as I've speculated. I felt and there's no way you can just have him sit around. The Le'Veon Bell thing will never happen again. You will never see another player sit or miss an entire season ever. Teams will trade these players. If they are dead set on not signing these guys, they will trade them away. So Melvin Gordon, if you have him in fantasy, will be traded. He will play this season. I I guarantee you it's not going to happen again. But... The Chargers no longer have Melvin Gordon. They no longer have that workhorse back. And I do think they have enough balance to where it won't cripple them. 
I think they'll make the wild card, um, but they're not going to win the division. Really not so high on the Chiefs this year, uh, me personally, because they were so great last year. It's hard. How do you build off that? How do you build on that kind of performance? And I, I've said this about uh, Pat Mahomes in fantasy, and this is one of the few times where fantasy does coincide with reality. I don't think Pat Mahomes is a viable, well, he's viable as a fantasy quarterback. He's definitely viable, but you're not going to get what he did last year. No way are you getting 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards again. Like, how is he going, he won the MVP last year. How is he going to do that two years in a row and then build off of that? You get what I'm saying? Like, how is he going to improve off of that, off of that season? So he can only regress as the Chiefs can only regress. They were phenomenal last year. They will take a step backward. Will they still be great? Yes. They're just not going to be as good as they were last year, I feel. Though with the Chargers missing Melvin Gordon, I have no choice but to give the division to the Chiefs. And this is probably the one I'm the least confident in. Ironically, you think, oh, the Chiefs are shoe and they're going to win the division. They're going to the AFC Championship, probably going to go to the Super Bowl. This, I probably feel the least confident in, in all my division winners in the Chiefs. This is probably the one I'm the most scared of. Because the Chargers are still a really, really good team. And still more balanced, I would say, uh, than the Chiefs. But they are missing Derwin James for 8 to 10 games to start the season. That's a huge blow. If you force me to choose, I'm taking the Chiefs to win the division. Though I would not be surprised if the Chargers win it in the least bit. I I would not be surprised. And the last division in the AFC, the Patriots. Or, excuse me. The last division in the AFC, the AFC East, the Patriots. I mean, well, that just goes to show you how competitive this division is. That I, It's basically the AFC Patriots. That's what I just call the division. Who else is going to challenge them to win this division? Nobody. Okay, there's no... I mean, the Dolphins are they're doing their best of Philadelphia 76ers impression. They're going to be awful for the next four or five years. And I really, quite frankly, don't have very much faith in the front office to build a team with the draft picks that they're going to acquire another tough break for Josh Rosen. I hope he gets traded again somewhere uh, that has a respectable front office. I like the Bills. I do think they're going to be much better than what people are giving them credit for. I like Josh Allen a lot, which scares me. It bothers me how much I like Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. He's got a lot of talent. I mean, you just watch him run around um, and create, especially what what is there in Buffalo as far as, well, number one, what is there in Buffalo, the city? And number two, what is there in Buffalo, the football franchise? They have no one on that offense. And now LaShawn McCoy, who wasn't even good to begin with, is no longer a member of the Buffalo Bills. They have Cole Beasley. Like, that's their number one receiver in Buffalo, Cole Beasley. And yet, I like Josh Allen a lot. I like what I saw from him last year with a minimal roster, specifically on offense. They have a, very, they have a um, again, underrated defense due to the Buffalo Bills. Part of that could be some of the weather, but I mean, I'm not going to take away from a team because it's snowing. We love we love when it snows in Lambeau. Why are we going to take away from Buffalo when it snows? They have an underrated defense. Their offense has little to no weapons outside of Cole Beasley, and yet I really like Josh Allen. Are they going to win the division? Absolutely. Wolf of Wall Street, not. It's not going to happen. But I do think they're going to be the second team in the AFC East. I really do. I think they're going to leapfrog the Jets. Um... I think the Jets is going to take a, a little while for things to kind of really come together. And a lot of people um, love the Sam Darnold 
Adam, uh, excuse me, Adam Gase connection, as do I. When he was hired, I said that was the best hire of the offseason, the best coaching hire of the offseason, and yet it, it, this is just a weird day for me. As much as I love Sam Darnold, I'm actually giving the edge to Josh Allen this year and the Bills to come in second. And that's really what this division has come to, who's coming in second. We don't even talk about the Patriots or who's going to win it because we already know it's New England and Tom Brady. The biggest debate is who's coming in second place. So I really don't even feel the need to elaborate on the Patriots, and I'm not going to because why do I need to defend myself for saying the Patriots are going to win the AFC East? I think the Bills will come in second. The Jets will be, I think, a game or two behind the Bills. They won't be... Um, night and day they won't be terrible compared to the bills i think i do think they'll be slightly worse i think they'll be a game or two behind the bills i think the bills will come in second place i like josh allen it's something i never thought in a million years i would say and i like sam darnold more of course i love me some sam darnold but i actually think gosh what the heck is wrong with me i actually think the bills are going to come in second now moving on to the nfc starting with the nfc north let's keep it in the same order uh, this may surprise you. This pick here may surprise you. It may even shock you. Um, I'm taking the Minnesota Vikings. I think if they have, and it is, it's all depending on one thing. If they have Dalvin Cook, they will win the division, I feel comfortably. I think running away, they win the division. If they have Dalvin Cook, their defense will be improved. It's been pretty stout over the past three or four years. It's a defense-first-minded team. They are going to make a commitment to run the ball, kind of pairing that with you know their defense-first mentality. So I do think it's going to be a huge year for Dalvin Cook. If he stays healthy, he's had... I mean, of course, you can't. I never fault these guys for their injury problems, but it has to be documented. Dalvin Cook has had severe injury problems in just two years already in the league. And yet... He's been lightning in a bottle. When he is on the field, he's the biggest difference maker on that team. Even a, He's a bigger difference maker for the Vikings than I feel even Adam Thielen. I think Dalvin Cook is hes the key for this team. If Dalvin Cook is on the field and he is healthy, the Vikings win the division. If not, then they don't win the division. It's that simple. It all comes down to Dalvin Cook. I'm a big fan of Dalvin Cook. Um, especially and in fantasy. They are a run-first offense now. If you have Dalvin Cook, again, this is one of the rare circumstances where fantasy does coincide with reality. If you have Dalvin Cook on your team, you're going to be a very good team. The Vikings have Dalvin Cook at their disposal. They win the division. I don't think the Packers, again, will be as relevant in reality as they will be in fantasy. I think the Bears are a better team than the Packers. They will come in second. I have them as a wild-card team, but I do think they will be two or three games behind the Vikings. I think the Vikings will be very good this year so long as they have Dalvin Cook. Now on to the NFC South. Another very easy division to pick, um, very similar to the AFC East. It's the Saints. I don't. This is, this is the, the be-all, end-all for Jameis Winston. This is his last chance. I don't think he's going to make good use of it. I think this is the last we're going to see of Jameis Winston. And quite frankly, good riddance. Because I can tolerate... A, no, not even that. I was going to say I can tolerate the nonsense if you're a good player. But then I think about Antonio Brown and Mr. Big Chest. And I cannot stand the nonsense that he puts us through. And Antonio Brown is a fantastic wide receiver. So it's even worse. If you're a bad player and you put and you go through this nonsense... 
and you just create these ridiculous storylines and you're getting in trouble off the field, you're getting in trouble on the field like Jameis Winston, I re- I'm really not for you. I don't think the Bucks are going to be relevant. I'm not too bullish on the Panthers or Cam Newton this year. Way too Cam Newton is so wildly inconsistent. I mean, I just, I really am not a fan of the Panthers or Cam Newton at all because they're just so nauseatingly inconsistent in both fantasy and reality. The only one you can count on on that team is Christian McCaffrey, and I don't think he can single-handedly will his team to win the division. The Saints are clearly the best team in the division. I don't think I have to qualify that or even have to explain myself for feeling that way. Again, like the AFC East, it's the Saints and then everybody else. So then now on to the NFC West. Slightly tougher to pick this one. Um, though not really. I'm going to take the Rams. The Seahawks will come in second place. Really, who else is in that division that's going to challenge them? I'm not sold on Jimmy G even still. We have not seen him over the course of a season and obviously over the course of multiple seasons. Let's say Jimmy G has a fantastic season this year. Maybe not MVP caliber, but the 49ers, for sake of the argument, they go 9-7, and seven, maybe 10-6. and six. I still will not be sold on Jimmy G because, again, it will just be the first full season that he has played. And then next year is when we're really going to find out just who Jimmy Garoppolo is. So I'm, I'm not sold on the 49ers, even though Jimmy G is healthy. Not for me. The Cardinals, I feel, are going to be the worst team in the league. So I'm staying absolutely as far away from them as possible. So it comes down to the Rams and the Seahawks. And the Rams, I mean, they're the Rams. They have stars both sides of the field they have the best player maybe in all of football and Aaron Donald uh, they have the most potent offense quite possibly in all of football I think the Chiefs would have something to say about that though um, I mean we saw last year the Rams and the Chiefs play the Rams edged them out because they are a much better team as a whole they have a, they actually have um, a defensive prowess on that team I like the Rams to win the West and now here's the hardest division for me to pick in the entire league the NFC East and what makes it so hard for me is that the Cowboys have been without Ezekiel Elliott. There has been, you know, questions regarding if he's even going to play for the first game of the year for maybe this season as he was holding out. And they signed him. The Cowboys signed him. They make him easily, by far, the highest paid running back in the game of football. Do I think that's going to be the best move in the long run? No, not necessarily. But that was their only chance of being relevant was having Ezekiel Elliott on the roster. Ezekiel. Elliot, rather, on the roster. It was the only chance for them to even be in this discussion. And yet, now that he's signed, they are much improved, clearly, um, just having Ezekiel Elliott on the team. But the Eagles are a fantastic, deep roster. And as are the Cowboys. It's just so hard for me to actually invest any kind of faith in the Dallas Cowboys. It really is. Over the course of an entire season, and then talking about Going into the postseason, it's hard for me to really invest that kind of faith in the Cowboys that they're going to stay true to their word. Especially, you have Jason Garrett as your coach. That can only go one way, the wrong way. I mean, I I just don't see the Cowboys. um, Well, okay. Looking at their schedules, the Cowboys and the Eagles. I wouldn't say one has a tougher schedule than the other one. Because again, they will play each other, obviously. And they will play essentially the same divisions. They have almost the exact same schedule. It's how it's constructed. 
Dallas' schedule, the first four weeks, are a cakewalk. They get the Giants, Washington, Miami, and then they get New Orleans. So those first four weeks, they could go 3-0. and And I don't think the Eagles can get off to that same start. I think the Cowboys get off to a quicker start than the Eagles. They will have a better record. Quite possibly, I, th- I think they could split the season series. And here's what makes it even more difficult for me to, for me to pick the Cowboys. It's been years in the NFC East since there has been a back-to-back division champ. It does not happen in the NFC. It has the most parity of any division. And yet, even despite all that, I just think because the way their schedule is constructed and they have several breaks in, in their schedule due to the Cowboys, they get the Jets. So after their first three games, they play. They, they should go 3-0. They really should. Uh, and then they could lose two straight after that. They get the Saints and the Packers. Okay, um, Then they get the Jets. So that's, that stops that skid right there. Then they get the Eagles, which I feel they will split the season series. So that could be a win or a loss. doesn't really matter what happens because I think they're going to split anyway. Um, let me pull it up here. Then they have the Giants. They should win that as well. They get the Vikings. Vikings are a good team. I guess I could give the Cowboys the edge in that one. Then they get the Lions. They do get the Patriots. But then they get the Bills. See, after every big game, there is a, there is a dud. There is a bottom-feeding team, and I know I just said the Bills are going to come in second place, but the Cowboys are better than the Buffalo Bills, and that game is at home. It's on Thanksgiving, so I do. I like the Cowboys to win that one. They get the Bears and the Rams, and then they get the Eagles and Washington to close out the season, so they do have a tough end to the year with the Bears, the Rams, and the Eagles, and that last game is actually in Philadelphia. That's December 22nd. It's just so tough. Even still, to this point right now, it's hard for me to pick a division winner. I'm going to say the Dallas Cowboys because I, oh man, it's just, it's, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard for me to do this. I can't really, in good faith, pick the Dallas Cowboys. I'm picking the Philadelphia Eagles. I feel they're more reliable. I, I trust, I have more faith in their coach. Quite frankly, I have more faith in their quarterback. Know that the Eagles do not have a stud on offense like Ezekiel Elliott and maybe not even a receiver like Amari Cooper. And yet, even still, coach, quarterback, if you have those two, you go a long way. I like the Eagles to win the division. And even still, I'll give the Cowboys a wild card. Because I have here on my notes, I picked the Cowboys to win the division. And then I had the Eagles to be the wild card team. So if I'm swapping those two, I'll take the Eagles to win the division. And the Cowboys will be the wild card team. Probably losing the first or second round. Jason Garrett will be fired. And then who knows, maybe Lincoln Riley will be the coach next year. In which case... We will reevaluate things. So there are your division winners uh, for the NFL. So now moving on uh, very quickly to, we're not going to do the entire playoff bracket. We're going to do Super Bowl or conference champions and the Super Bowl champions very quickly. In the NFC, I think, you know, looking at these teams all in the postseason, the Vikings, the Saints, the Rams, the Cowboys, Eagles, Bears. Who's got the best quarterback left? That would be the Saints. Who's got the best coach left? That would be the Saints. Who's going to have the most games at home left? Likely the Saints playing in their terrible division. Could be the Rams. The Rams could have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But again, you're playing in L.A., um, the Coliseum. Really not very crazy weather. It's. I said this last year. L.A. is such a diverse population that there are fans from all teams of all sports. So you're going to have a representation there in the L.A. Coliseum. Even for the Saints, way out in L.A., there will be a Saints contingency in the Coliseum should they play um, 
you know, in LA, way down the road. I think the Saints get to the Super Bowl. I think this is the year. I think finally after last year, the pass interference. And in the year before that, the opposite of pass interference and just letting Stephon Diggs walk across the sidelines into the end zone and win the game. Then they have the opportunity to get throttled by Philadelphia. I think this is the year where it all comes together. And I think this is the last chance, really. Drew Brees... Not getting any younger. I don't think this is the opportunity, or excuse me, I don't think the window of opportunity is getting wider. I think it is getting smaller for the Saints. This is the last chance. I do think they seize the opportunity. They go to the Super Bowl. Uh, In the AFC, for me, it comes down to the Steelers and the Patriots. I actually don't really, because again, we don't even know if the Chiefs are going to win their division, right? If they get a bad draw and, and playing the wild card game, they could be out in the first round. So I don't really by the Chiefs very much. And the Texans, they have a history of injury problems. Um, They're not the deepest team on defense anymore. I I think that's going to take a toll on them over the course of the season. So it comes down to the Steelers and the Patriots. So again, who's going to have the best quarterback left? That's the Patriots. Who's going to have the best coach left? That'd be the Patriots. And where's the game going to be played? That'd be in Foxborough because they get the AFC East. And the Steelers play in the, uh, excuse me, the AFC East. And the Steelers playing the AFC North, which is going to be competitive with them and the Browns. I do think the Browns will make the playoffs this year, so that's going to be something. To, I can't wait. That's going to be a lot. That's going to be a fun game to watch. The Browns and Baker Mayfield in the playoffs. They might play New England in the first round, and they will get beaten by 50 points. But I'd love to watch that game. I'd love to see how Baker Mayfield plays in the postseason. So if it comes down to the Steelers and the Patriots, and they have the best quarterback, they have the better coach, and they play in home field, which one, which is a legendary home field advantage in January is playing in Foxborough and taking the Patriots to get back to the Super Bowl to play the New Orleans Saints. And just for the sake of the argument, the sake of good-heartedness, I'm going to take the Saints to win the Super Bowl. This is the happy ending in the football movie that the... the, the they're a great team, are, are the Saints, but they'd be a heavy underdog in this game. Tom Brady would be going for his third straight, never been done in football, both pro and college. There's never been a three-peat champion. The Patriots would be the first team to ever do that. This would cement Tom Brady and Bill Belichick as the greatest dynasty and the greatest both at their positions ever. And yet I think the Saints have the studs on offense to compete with New England. They have Alvin Kamara, they have Michael Thomas, right? I think that, I just think they're more dynamic on offense and Bill Belichick is the greatest game-to-game schemer defensively that we've ever seen. But I'm going to give the edge to the Saints here just for the sake of let Drew Brees have another one. I mean, he's got I mean, he already has one. He does have one, but no one has been through more, I would argue, in the past two seasons than the New Orleans Saints. Let them have this one. I'll take the Saints to win the Super Bowl uh, over the Patriots. So, And that'll be a fun... What more could you possibly ask for? Two Hall of Famers, two of the all-time greatest quarterbacks ever. Tom Brady and Drew Brees in the Super Bowl. Who is the, I would not be disappointed at all with that draw. I hope it happens. And I do hope the Saints win, mostly because it would mean that I was right way back when in September all the way into February. So that is going to take us to the end of uh, this week's episode. We got a long one. Uh, we had a lot of stuff to cover. Didn't even really get to go into the 
Mr. Big Chest drama. There hasn't been any um, further developments. So, I mean, that's really, that, there wasn't much more to elaborate on. We can only time will tell what happens uh, with the Raiders. So that'll probably probably be the headliner for next week. I get to say it again, and I get to say it every week until just about February. Enjoy the games this week. Find the guy with Directv and the Sunday ticket. Don't let him don't let him pull out and say, "Well, no, I have church. I have this. I have this. no. We only get a Sunday ticket this week, and probably not again till like week ten. We're going to your house. We're watching the Sunday ticket, and if you have the Sunday ticket, share. Okay, what were some of the great values that? your mother taught you as a child. Sharing is one of the greatest values that any person can have. Don't be selfish. Invite your friends over. I promise you the games will be more fun. You'll have more fun watching it with someone else rather than just watching it by yourself and checking your lousy fantasy team every four and a half minutes. Invite your friends over, okay? So I will talk to you next week. Enjoy the games, and thanks for stopping by.